You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your source for news, discussion, and debates about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, and I'm joined by Gene Henley once again, and we're here for another episode here in the middle of the summer, in the off-season, but we do have a couple big things to talk about, so sit right there wherever you are, if you're driving, at home, working out, wherever you may be. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I haven't said this in a while, uh, but I'm going to plug it here now. Leave us a review on, on Apple Podcast if you subscribe to us. So if you have an Apple uh, product, iPhone, iPad, whatever, if you subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts, uh, go leave us a review. Yeah, give us a five-star review and, and go leave a little blurb if you want to as well. Uh, like I said, I don't think I've said that in a while, but that really helps the show. Um, the more reviews and stuff you get, the better it kind of fits into the algorithm of the way they um, promote podcasts and stuff on there. So, yeah, go not only subscribe if you haven't already, but if you are subscribed, go leave us a five-star review. We would greatly greatly appreciate that here at vol basketball fever we're also on twitter and facebook at vol hoops fever on twitter and vol basketball fever on facebook so go, go give us a like go give us a follow uh, tweet and post about tennessee basketball stuff all the time even here in the off season gene before we kind of get into our main topic here of the podcast a, a quick note at the top of the show here tennessee just had two more big time visitors they've had a lot of high profile visitors in the month of June to campus. As we're recording this, four-star in-state point guard B.J. Edwards and four-star small forward Dylan Mitchell just finished up their official visits to Tennessee. They came in, I believe, over the weekend, stayed a couple days, and I believe finished up on Tuesday sometime. They both have tweeted out pictures of, uh, and I think posted on Instagram too, pictures of their visits to Tennessee, wearing UT jerseys, stand side by side. Gene, again, this is... uh, We've seen Kaysen Wallace visit. We've seen, uh, I want to say Brandon Miller visited as well. There's another name I'm, I'm trying to remember who visited or who's going to visit. I think Jalen Hood Shafino, I want to say he's going to visit. I don't. He may have already visited. I cannot remember now. They've had so many guys already come in in June, have a, a few more guys coming in <coughs> the coming weeks too. So uh, a little hard to keep up with it all without having something written right in front of me here. But I think Tennessee, just from the chatter and stuff I've seen, I you know, don't know any inside information myself personally, but just from the chatter and stuff I've seen, I think Vol fans uh, should probably feel pretty good about where Tennessee is, obviously with B.J. Edwards. But I also think with Dylan Mitchell and Kaysen Wallace, I, th- I think Tennessee is in a, a good spot for that trio. So just we can talk about that just a little bit here before we get into the main meat of the topic, which is uh, Rick Barnes related. So I think Tennessee is in a good spot with those three. Don't expect any kind of imminent commitments or anything like that. I'm not saying Tennessee is the bona fide leader for all three of them, but I think that's a a very solid trio to kind of keep your eye on if you're a Tennessee fan. You know, I'm actually just going to, th- that is probably a really good um, combination of guys, but I'm going to take this uh, platform, this moment to uh, pretty much just uh, say that if Tennessee is not heavily recruiting Felix Okpora, they are doing life 100% wrong. And I understand that, uh, right now, Rick Barnes is Teflon, you know, in terms of his recruiting. But um, that kid is Kevin Durant 2.0, or whatever point oh that you want to, you know, talk about. You know, just having seen him play this summer uh, and seeing the schools that are after him, 
you know, I think Penny going back to Memphis, which I think he announced today, he's not, you know, he's done with the whole Orlando, you know, flirtation. Um, you know, that, that puts them firmly in there because from what, I, from what I've heard and what I've been told, um, one of the drawbacks with Felix and Memphis was the thought that Penny was going to leave. And I think Orlando was the only job that actually made any sort of sense for him. Uh, but Ohio State's in there. Kansas is in there. Some high-level schools, it says that Tennessee is offered, but um, I do think they're doing life 100% wrong because last I checked, you have Brendan Huntley Hatfield, who last I checked is not expected to be back in school next year. So um, if this is what you're going to do in recruiting, you've got to go after those types of guys. Uh, who is the thing? Remind me, who was Kevin Durant's coach in college? Um, I think it was Rick Barnes, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I thought so too, and um, it, it just seems to me that you see that type of player because I've seen them. You know, I, got, I saw them play Cleveland, and I saw that kid when Cleveland was beating Hamilton Heights about eight in the second half of that game. That kid calmly drove down court by himself and pulled up and made two threes, and it's like, what are you supposed to do? So, to me. That's the type of guy, because he is a, a forward. I mean, people can flirt around, and a dude can flirt, you know, flirt with being a, you know, thinking he's a stretch forward. Not nah, kid, you're a five, but or whatever. You know, we can if we want to go positionless, you're a big kid. Whatever, you're big. Um, this kid is a legit like six ten, six eleven, and can shoot. It's a weird shot, a little funky, but shoots good percentage. So, um, to me, you get him. You know, you get after him, you get B.J. Edwards, you get Wallace, you get Mitchell, um, and now you've got a chance. You know, like we, we talk about how next year could be a down year um, because you're going to be young, potentially, you know, and have Edwards in there, you know, pretty more or less starting from day one. Heck, Fulkerson will still probably be there in some weird way. Um, but... You know, to me, if you're not going to be regarded as a top five, top ten team in the country, you better be young. That better be the only reason. And I just have my concerns that with what they're trying to, with what they're doing, and what they're losing this after this year, potentially they may not be as good. And I think this could be a good Tennessee team this year. I do. I truly do. Um, I've been burned. I was burned by them last year. Um, two years ago, I did not think they were going to be nearly as good. I actually thought it was very confusing that people thought they were going to be as good as they were. Um, just you know, after Grant left and Avril and those guys, because I'm like, who do they have? Um, and I got yelled at for it. And 17 and 13, 14, whatever. Um, but if you're not going to be competitive you better be young and say this team wins 27 28 games maybe they lose a lot of pieces off of this year's team and you better have a good excuse for not being up there in the 20s again because if you're bragging about the recruiting you got to get results you got to get you've got to get difference makers in there because people are going to take another you know feel good season like they had in 2018 2019 um and then follow that up with the 2019-2020 season that we saw. 
People are going to accept that. So you better be exciting. You better be competitive. That's the core. That would be a great core group of guys that you get in place because you've got your point guard. Uh, Wallace is what a shooting guard, essentially. Yeah, essentially. I think he's a he's a combo guard. But yeah, I think it, he projects more yeah. than a shooting guard. Yeah, you get Mitchell in there. He's you know as a small forward. You get Felix at power forward. Because I don't think Felix is going to wait around. And and you're already behind. You know, with some of the schools, he's already visited Ohio State. I think Kansas is coming up. I know Memphis is involved. Uh, I think another name was thrown at me. I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, but creme de la creme type schools. You know, like Memphis is still a name. And as long as Penny's in there, they're going to be a name. Ohio State was competitive this past year. Uh, Kansas is Kansas. So you better... <laughs> Like you, you're fighting an uphill battle if they've already got this much of a head start on you. So maybe you can't get him at this point, or maybe you evaluated something differently. I think he's the type of kid that comes in, can give you, you know, the way that Tennessee plays, give you 15 points, seven or eight rebounds a game. You know, shoot like 40% from three. You know, combine him with a, a do who will still be there next year. Um, you know, Powell, Escovi. James, you know, Edwards, Mitchell, have a nice little combination of young and old, and you're cooking. But, um, yeah, I mean, you look at Tennessee's recruiting, and it's it's in, it's, it's in a good spot. Uh, I'm not keen on evaluating stars. I think that's kind of an overvalued measurement. I mean, if you've listened, you know that I'm not – I don't overvalue them. They are what they are. Usually bigs, usually for six ten, and you can jump thirty five inches. You're going to be a five star, even if you trip that trip running up and down the court. Um, you'll be a five star for just simply that reason. So I don't value stars that way. But you look at the players that Tennessee is accumulating and bringing in, and the only way to get to that next level. Of, you know, we've talked about national championships and stuff like that. Is to consistently bring in the types of players, and you know, bring in the types of players that are going to be around a couple years. Because Tennessee isn't any better because of Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. They're not any better this year because they had Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson last year. You know, they got Huntley Hatfield. It wasn't because of those guys. You know, like they're not building on. They're building with brand new pieces. They're not stacking Kennedy Chandler, Huntley Hatfield, on top of Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, you know, those guys. Uh, you're going to have to stack some of those types of guys, see Villanova, see Gonzaga, you know, schools like that. You know, you have to stack some, you know, stock, you know, stack some of those guys on top of each other. And, of course, as the way March goes, you're going to get a little lucky. But keep getting, you know, keep getting guys like that, like they're getting on campus. Um guys who may hang around for a couple years but are really good basketball players and all of a sudden you've got a chance and I think that's all Tennessee really needs right now is to just have a chance I I agree with you about Felix Ogpara I think Tennessee I think he's a really good player I think they have been pursuing him I I, I don't know if it's maybe not like mutual interest like I, I think Tennessee is interested I just don't know like you said if they're playing catch up like what if they need to turn the the Jets on there or what, but I think it's also fairly telling that you've seen over the past 
couple weeks, maybe sometime in this month in June, uh, Tennessee offering a couple other centers or a couple other, you know, guys that are kind of similar builds and an Ernest Uday Jr. who's a four-star and a Dom Campbell who's a three-star who's kind of caught the attention this summer and is kind of moving up people's boards. I, I think that's kind of telling and the fact that, you know, they're also pursuing fairly heavily a guy like Deontay Green who's a, a 6'9", 2'15 guy. Those are the, all the guys I've mentioned are like a 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", between 2'10", 2'30", which is the same type of build as a as an Akpara. So I, I think it's, to me, I, I 100% agree with you saying, Gene, I think they should be pursuing Akpara really hard, and I think they are. I just don't know, again, if the mutual interest is there, and I think it's, again, pretty... I, I think it's a little telling that you've seen them offer a couple other big guys here somewhat recently, and also, you know, kind of turn the, the heat a little bit more on a Deontay Green, who I believe is one of the guys who either has visited or is going to visit. Let me see if I can find his profile if he has visited Tennessee yet. Um, doesn't show that he has, but I, I think he's a guy who was slated to... Is, is slated to visit Tennessee at some point, so... Again, I agree with you, though. I think if you get that, that trio right there, all you're missing is at least one, you know, one, I guess, significant big man in this class that can come in and contribute immediately, but also be a guy who, unless it's Akpara, who, you, who seems like you're very, very high on Gene, being like a significant instant impact guy. If it's not him, you know, are you getting a guy who's going to be here for a couple more years and, and can be a, a, a solid contributor as a freshman, but a guy who you're going to get more out of in his sophomore and junior seasons. So, yeah, I just want to get it real quick. Let me just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me just say that Tennessee just they can't like I understand that recruiting is nice right now, but Tennessee is still not to a level where they can just come late to the party and just think they can get guys like a Kentucky or anything right, like that. Yeah. You're not there. Yet. Yeah, you're you're not there yet. That name, the Tennessee name, does not carry the weight that you know Kansas, Kentucky. Uh, I mean, I guess that's really all you're talking about now when you're talking about, uh, well, Duke, I'm sorry. Yeah, and Duke is, I was going to mention is, Duke. Duke is going through, well, I mean, but they're, they're going through changes now, and I doubt Shire is going to really try to do this thing where he, he sells out for the one-and-done model. Uh, maybe he does. I mean, Coach K did towards the end, uh, and I don't think in Hubert Davis, that, that's never really been the Carolina way. Heck, they got two one-and-done guys and a couple, you know, a couple guys that left – for the transfer portal after a year and you know roy williams is like i'm done with all this nonsense uh after like one year of like losing a couple guys to the portal and stuff like that so um you're not at a level where you can just come late to the party and think you can get guys because of your name because let's be honest you know through all this feel good the best finish was a sweet 16 finish so you're not there yet yeah and i think it's looking at i know i think you're talking more about akpara but i'm also looking at like uday jr i think is a good player Tennessee offered him back on June 19th, actually the same day that he tweeted out his offer from Alabama. It seems like he's a guy that's really picked up a lot of interest recently because I think before that he had an offer from Iona, from George Washington. Like he, he wasn't, he didn't have a bunch of big, oh, here's a, he got one from Kansas. He got, he got one from Kansas at the beginning of June. And that's kind of seems like June's when he really has blown up because since that, obviously you had Tennessee and Alabama, since those offers, um, he's picked up offers from Illinois, from Cincinnati, from Indiana, Texas Tech, and then I think just a couple, actually just yesterday, uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, so Monday, he got offers from Mississippi State and Arkansas. So I think that's, a, obviously, he's a little different, but I, I agree with you with when it comes to a guy like Akpara, who isn't just now blowing up. He, he's been on the yeah, radar for a while. Yeah, top-level guys that have been on radars for a while yes, now. Yes, right. Like, you can't, like, those 
you can't get those guys. Like, I mean, the guys that maybe are having, you know, are really having a breakout summer in Tennessee saw somewhere, um, which is, I mean, I do think it's going to be interesting because what Thursday, well, I guess June 1st is when they could actually be, yep. you have all the, uh, was the first comes in July, you know, next, you know, next weekend is the first time that college coaches like division one coaches can actually be, in the gym for the first time in two years, and I think it's going to be a really interesting time. I think you're going to see a lot of about you know you have better evaluations and you know from coaches, and they can kind of look and see who fits their program. Because I I wonder how much that was affected by um, evaluations were affected by COVID. I mean <clears throat> you can't you can't you know think that they weren't affected. It's just right. Well, I'll be interested to see what the 21-22 season looks like because that was the, you know, last summer was the year of evaluations that coaches did not get. So they're taking a lot of coaches' words for it and a lot of AAU coaches' words on it. Hey, coach, this kid can play for it. Hey, coach, this kid can play for it. I promise you. Yeah, he'll be a good character guy. All the, all the things that they would say. So we'll see. This will be the year that you look and see – I mean, if people think that the mass exodus was crazy this year, this season in college basketball, wait till next when these coaches have a chance to look at you. Because, I mean, these kids have been on campus for about a month now, freshmen. Right. Uh, there's going to be guys. I don't think that, I don't think this applies to Tennessee. Maybe the maybe the French kid or whatever he is. I can't remember. I'm sorry if I'm wrong there. Uh, I can't remember the the late the late signing. Yeah, uh, Debonjay. Yeah. Maybe a kid like that. Um, I mean, Huntley Hatfield's going to be fine. <laughs> he was a late signing. He'll be fine. Adu, he fell through the cracks with the whole Marquette situation. He'll be fine. He'll be a good player. You know, if if he doesn't overvalue himself, I think he'll be a good player at Tennessee. Uh, and obviously, Chandler was a previous eval. Um, Mayshack was a previous eval. You know, Powell's a transfer, so it doesn't count. So... Uh, I'll be interested to see what the you know what the portal looks like after this year, just because, yeah, you're looking at a situ- situation now where coaches really couldn't evaluate players. But uh, but yeah, I mean, like I think in terms of your your top ten, top fifteen, top twenty five type kids, even top fifty or whatever kids that have been on radars for at least a year or two, you can't just say, man. I know Duke and Kentucky like that guy, but I need to take my time. And then it's like, well, you know what? I think I like that guy, so I'm going to kind of just slide in there. Unless that kid's from Knoxville, that kid ain't listening to you. You're not going to – you can't make up that ground once once Kentucky and Duke kind of get their claws on you. Yeah. They get their sights set on you. And to be fair, you know, I don't don't know any inside information. I don't don't know if Tennessee is slow playing it or if – Again, it's Akpar not having interest in Tennessee, but I, I do agree with what you're saying. Still, overall, even, even if it doesn't apply to him, it does apply to other athletes and other recruits out there. So I, I definitely agree with you on that, Gene. Let's get into the Rick Barnes talk here. We've talked for about 20 minutes almost here, so let's get into the meat of the argument or meat of the, the podcast here and talk about probably what most people, I don't think most people probably mind a recruiting update, but what most people clicked on the podcast for, and that is a discussion about the reported raise an extension to Rick Barnes's contract in Tennessee. Um, I don't, it's not been, I haven't seen anything official. I don't actually even see that many like articles or anything written about it. Uh, just even searching like Rick Barnes. I haven't seen anything really written about it much, but it was reported. I saw um, 
to give credit where credit is due. Ryan Schumpert, who did an excellent job of covering Tennessee baseball this past year, uh, or I guess just recently, <laughs> this past season for them, uh, tweeted out that on the Tony Basilio show, John Bryce was talking about Rick Barnes and mentioned that it, there's a contract extension and raise in the works for him. Nothing has been signed yet, but it, it seems like it's it's a eventuality at this point where he's going to have a few more years added on to his current deal to make him, I think it's a fi- essentially a five-year deal, so I think he'll be adding on two or three more years to his current contract, so a two, three-year extension that will also give him a raise of a hair under $6 million, so somewhere probably in the $5.8, $5.9 million per year range. And Gene, the takes online have been all over the place. <laughs> yes, you can probably imagine. I, I, I retweeted the tweet, didn't even quote it, didn't even add anything to it, and my mentions were still full of people arguing because I retweeted it in my mentions, even though I didn't say anything about it. And I was just like, okay, I can't imagine if I'd quoted this tweet and said my opinion on this. So I thought I'd save it for the podcast and you and I could discuss it. So that way I don't hopefully have a, a just a storm of stuff in my mentions on Twitter about it. So I will say before we get too deep into it, because I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, and also, I want to hear our listeners' thoughts. So if you want to share it with us, we're at Vol Hoops Fever. If you want to add me, go ahead. I'm at Mr. Underscore Rutherford if you want to. I'm not going to subject Gene to this. I'm not going to give his Twitter handle. Um, before we get too deep into it. I, no, I don't mind it. I haven't <laughs> fought anybody on Twitter in a while. It's been a while. Okay, well then. If, get Russ and he so got it. Yeah, if that's the case, then you want to eat at Gene Henley. He's at Gene Henley 3. It's a pretty easy name to, to follow. We're pretty easy to find on Twitter. Um but my, my overall opinion on the news, again, if it's true, which I, I feel like it probably is. I haven't seen anything to say it's not. But if it's true, then that's what it is. If it's, it's a hair under $6 million. Overall, my feelings are, are pretty positive on it. And I, th- I, I understand like, where Tennessee is coming from with it. I think it's it, – under- like, I'm fine with it. I don't have any problems against it. At the same time, like, I understand fans who may – not be big fans of it. I know one thing; it wasn't the uh, wasn't the contract news Tennessee fans were expecting and hoping to see uh, this week. Everyone hoping to see, obviously, Tony Vitello get his big raise and extension with the baseball program. Uh, all of a sudden, you saw the news drop that maybe Tennessee is going to be signing Emory Barnes to extension and everything. You're like, now wait a minute, what's going on here? That wasn't the news I was I was waiting to see on my Monday um, to start this week and to end the month of June. But Gene, I think if you're looking at the overall picture of it before we get into some of the details and talking about is he worth this much money and all this different stuff to me if not if nothing else this shows that danny white the athletic director at tennessee and, and the tennessee athletic department as a whole is willing to actually show a dedication and a commitment to the men's basketball program at tennessee which is something i, th- I think Correct me if I'm wrong, fans, but it's something I feel like I've seen fans clamor for online for years because people have complained about the Bruce Pearl situation, that he was left out to dry, that the administration didn't back him up. And if they'd done like, you know, what LSU's done with Will Wade and backed him up, that he would have still been at Tennessee rather than letting him go hang out the dry because of fear of, you know, the NCAA staying and looking at the football program. Complaints about the way the Conzo Martin situation was handled. Obviously, fans, I think, were part of that reason with all the bring back Bruce stuff and whatnot, but it wasn't like Tennessee's administration at the time with Dave Hart was exactly, um, it didn't seem like they were a, a super amiable, just, a, 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 you know, 
handshake hug type of situation between him and you know, the administration and Conzo Martin. There's been complaints, and then also also the obvious non-vetting of the Donatello situation, even though Dave Hart it just exclaimed that he they did their research, their background checks, their vetting. All of that within, obviously, like a, a three or four-year span. But even before that, you, you look at the hiring of Buzz Pierce, and you look at the hiring of... I mean, Kevin O'Neill had credentials, but obviously did not work at Tennessee. You go go back all the way, obviously, until Ray Mears era, and, and there's been plenty of questions about... I guess you could also throw in Don DeVoe. That wasn't like that was a bad situation either. But there's there have been plenty of questions and plenty of, of fans saying, you know, Tennessee, if they just show the dedication to the basketball program, we can be good. We can We can... You know, Tennessee has the potential to be a great basketball program. To me, if nothing else, no matter the, the other takeaways you may have about the the you know potential raise and extension for Barnes, I think Gene that this at least shows that this administration and this athletic department is showing a dedication to this basketball program and saying, hey, we've been known as buyout you in the past because we haven't paid up either we haven't paid coaches or we've gone and and. And they've gone and left somewhere else. We've had to go find a lesser coach. We've made bad coaching decisions. If nothing else, I'm I'm not foreseeing with this type of raise and extension. I don't foresee another UCLA situation happening with Rick Barnes anytime soon. And I also don't think that it's like he's going to break his contract. I don't think Tennessee's going to fire him the next five years because I don't think he's going to do anything worth being fired over. I, I think his if you look at the past three or four years, the the worst season he's had since t- since he and his staff came back in and kind of rebuilt Tennessee's basketball program was a 17-14 season where you were still kind of a bubble team for most of that year. Otherwise, you, you've been making the tournament every other year, and that's not something Tennessee has consistently done as a men's basketball program in its history. That That's something Bruce Pearl did, but pretty much every other head coach Tennessee's had besides him and, and Ray Mears, and it was harder, obviously, to get into the NCAA tournament back when Ray Mears was coaching. Besides that, you had Jerry Green, but he didn't last very long. Uh, you haven't had a consistent amount of success getting to the postseason, having a consistent amount of success in the SEC like you have these past four years. I I, I think we'll we'll get into the minutia of it here in a minute, but overall, I I think it's a positive for Tennessee, and I don't think it's you know it's not like upping it to five point eight five point nine million is that much different than what it was around five million. I mean, it's not like he's getting a monumental raise and he hasn't made a, you know, better than a sweet 16 since he's been in Tennessee and all, all this different stuff. If, if anything else, I mean, his recruiting, as we just talked about, like that, that also I think warrants a, he, he's got Tennessee recruiting to a level that they've never recruited at before. And that's something that I think that's worth <laughs> getting rewarded for. And I, again, you can argue and say, well, he's doing that, but the results on the, the court haven't backed it up yet. I get that. And I understand people who may not be big fans of the raise and extension, but at the same time, like, you also don't want to have a what appears to be like a not like he's a lame duck coach, but a guy who still has you know only a couple years left on his contract. You're thinking, well, what's the plan after him? This way, you're now that that's kind of further off, and you can maybe make those plans a little easier. I just think overall, while there are some, I, I understand negative takeaways from it. Gene, I maybe it's the the, the orange colored glasses on me or something, but I, I think overall it's a it's not a bad thing, and it's to me it shows that this administration at least is willing to show dedication and commitment to the basketball program. So I don't think it's for me it's not necessarily about whether or not I don't know what this shows. Like I don't know if it's 
a positive. I don't know if it's a negative. Like I'm looking here at the highest paid coaches in college basketball. Obviously, uh, Cal is symbol one. Coach K is gone. Uh, Jay Wright made six million dollars this year. Um, Rick would, I guess, Rick would be fourth. They basically are going to push his salary past. Uh, Chris Beard, who was making almost $5 million at Texas Tech and is now making $5 million at Texas. Um, that, Roy wow, Williams that, is gone. Is that, is that all? That, that's kind of surprising to me. I, I didn't forget his contract de- details. I, I figured he'd be making more than that at Texas. Huh. Yeah, I, I'm, I think what I just read was seven years, 35. Yes, seven years, 35 million. Wow. Um, so it'll push him over beard basically well, i guess to be fair texas is probably paying his buyout at tech too so they're that makes sense actually never mind go ahead yeah because the buyout was uh 15 million dollars so <laughs> yeah so yeah 15 million to 267 641 as of april 1st so um so i <laughs> I don't know, like maybe I'm just a little more old school and I look at it as performance based raises. I look at raises as a little more performance based. So this is where you have to, you know, get past, really dig into exactly what Rick Barnes has been in Knoxville. And, you know, like you talk about, you know, making a commitment to to basketball and I get that and I don't even really have an issue with that as a basketball person uh, especially you know I take delight personally in seeing a school that has always prided themselves as a football school and a football league you know putting this sort of money and funds into basketball but Rick has won 62% of his game 63% of his games in Knoxville uh, they're 35 and 23 since that first – you take out – basically, you take out that two-year run, which yielded you a – which earned you a round of 32 exit and a sweet 16 exit. And you're talking about a team that's basically eh, – I'm just kind of – 123 minus 57 is, what, 76. Uh, 73 minus 15 it's 58. So a team that's playing barely above, slightly above 500 basketball, um, minus those two years. Uh, so I get it. And it's why I made the comment about where recruiting is in Knoxville right now. It's special. And I guess maybe you want to pay for potential. I guess. Mm. I, I just. You know, like to me, I, I'm just kind of fighting this this thing where I'll look at it and what do, I mean, do people think that Rick could leave? Well, I mean, <laughs> like I, you say that, I know, I know I, I hear I hear someone somewhere yelling, UCLA. Like I, I just, I know, well, I know that's not like, yeah. it's not comparable, I know, but I, yeah. I, know, I know someone's streaming that somewhere right now. <laughs> Yeah, but like, do, do people really think that he 
Like, how many UCLA's are there in the country? Right. He's obviously right. not getting the Duke job. He's not getting UNC. He's not getting Kansas. And in the grand scheme of things, none of these other schools matter. He's not getting Kentucky. Mm-hmm. None of these other schools. Look, I understand Gonzaga is a fun job right now, but it's been it was the man, the the John Wooden of Gonzaga, is still there. Like it'll be look thirty years from now, somebody will make some comment where I don't. God, Lord, heaven forbid. Like we're you know, you know, talking heads like us are going to be like 30 years from now when some guy after Mark Few finally gets a couple championships or at least one, somebody's like, man, that was the job I always wanted when I was a kid. (laughs) And like, but all jokes aside, I mean, that's basically where, you know, some guy is growing up because that's, that's what happened with Rick. I mean, that's look, that was the job he wanted because the history of his childhood and, so, like, that's my like. Do do we think that he's leaving? Like, and that's no knock on him. Like, obviously, like, man, I spent two years around Rick Barnes. Like, I understand it. Like, I I, I get it. Like, the dude is a great dude. He's a great coach. If you want to just lock him in for a couple more years and extend him, fine. But. I don't necessarily get the why. Maybe it's is it a recruiting thing? Right. Like, is it going to like what are look are, are people negatively recruiting against Tennessee, saying that Rick is going to leave? I don't see that happening either because it's like, man, if the dude leaves, he's going to retire. I don't know. Maybe there. Maybe people Probably. are trying to say he's next in line. Maybe that could be a recruiting you know tactic. Say, look, man, Coach K retired. Roy Williams retired. But the last time I checked, man, uh, right now in this day and age, recruiting is done in the postseason, not the pre. You know, Tennessee Tennessee went out there and got a high-level transfer, a top 50 player in the country, and got a, a top 10 player in his in his class to reclassify in the postseason. Like so, like that. That's and that right there isn't going to change. Like we're in a different landscape of how this stuff is is happening. Mm-hmm. Rick played this thing perfectly. I guess that was the point I was getting at. Like in, in terms of his postseason recruiting, you could make an argument that he was like tops in the country at that. You can make an argument there. I mean, other people will probably Arkansas will always be there. Schools of that nature could be there, but. But man, Rick got who he got. He went from a maybe round of 64 team to now a team that some people will sit there and argue uh, and suggest um, that Rick got the best postseason in college basketball. Like, you can now argue that they are a top. 10 top 15 team in the country with who they brought in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in terms of, of roster reconstruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in terms, so you look at that and it's like, like, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Like, obviously, good, good for Rick. Uh, 
you know, and maybe this, maybe it, maybe the ultimate extension will equal more money for assistance and things of that nature. I mean, mm-hmm. details haven't really been announced or even suggested right now. I, I don't know when there's a level of ignorance that I'm coming that I'm coming from when I speak on this, but just at the surface, it's like, man. And I understand the people who always say, "Well, he's getting paid like a top five coach in college basketball. Can he be it for once?" Look, man, that dude was number one in the country two years ago. And you can point to what he didn't win or whatever. They were number one in the country for a month. Um, following season, half his team left. He lost his starting point guard, who was basically, you know, they were already being held by duct tape, you know, not even duct by scotch tape, essentially, that year. And then the guy who was holding it together, you know, had to retire. And heck, he still found found a way to win you know, 17 games, you know, and, and part of it is like, man, I, I do think, you know, you look at some of the players they brought in in that recruiting cycle, that wasn't supposed to be the roster. <laughs> you know, yeah, you right. didn't think you were losing Grant. You didn't think, I can't remember. I feel like somebody else. You, you, you definitely didn't think you're, well, you definitely didn't think you're losing bone before that season started. Yeah. 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 You didn't think you're losing Grant. You didn't think you were losing bone. That's two guys there. Now all of a sudden guys like Devontae Gaines and Drew Pimmer aren't even needed. They're just there. They're just there to wave the towel, get their Euros plastic on, just wave the towel, be a great teammate, maybe develop and practice and figure this thing out. But instead, oh yeah, we need you to play. We need you to start a game against Wisconsin. What? <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It, it all goes back to me that. I, I don't understand why they did it, but it's not my place to understand why they're doing it. If if all this stuff does necessarily happen, uh, good good for him. Um, hopefully, at this point, unless Tennessee just completely falls off, but I don't see recruiting getting worse. They're going to keep getting good players in there. They're going to keep being relevant. In basketball, which is a new thing for them, I'd say to this level at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from that aspect, I mean, it's it's a good it, it's a good deal. It, it's a good it's a good move for them. Now now that if he if this all truly does happen, he gets and he gets this, you know, he gets this extension, he gets this money. Um, I get it. And you talked about your mentions. I'd imagine they're filled with he's got to earn it. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. It's a bunch of that stuff. What has he done? Blah, 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 blah. Right. I understand what he's done. It's just, look, I think he's had a good career in Knoxville. 220 win seasons. They had had, I mean, if you just look at the way, at the rate he was winning this year, if they had a full 31 game regular season, he would have won 20 games. They went 18 and nine. Um, if they'd had a full 31 game regular season, with an SEC tournament and an NCAA tournament, he would have won like 23 games. So I don't really want to hear that. He didn't even win 20 games this year. He won 67% of his games. Made the second, made the first round of the NCAA tournament and lost to a team that what made the Sweet 16. No, they made the. Uh, shoot, I want to say they made the lead eight. Maybe I could be wrong. Let me okay. Let me double check that. I know they made a run. Well, regardless, that like, that wasn't their only win. <laughs> right. And right. yeah, and and I, I remember talking to somebody before the tournament started, and I said, "This is going to be a year that somebody makes a run that nobody's expecting because nobody knows who was healthy, 
during the season. You don't know how healthy people were. It's kind of you know it was kind of like an NBA season. You know, as I sit here and watch the Hawks, you know, as a five seed make the you know you know how you're fighting for you know a spot in the NBA finals. Like you don't know like teams are going to look different in the postseason because you don't know who was in, who was out. I mean, heck, look at Tennessee, Fulkerson, situation with him all year long. So it's the you know, so you never know how healthy people were. Heck, UCLA made the Final Four. Right. And literally right. came a miracle shot away from making the championship game, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Oregon uh, State, by the way, they, so, they, they did make the eight. They beat Tennessee. Then they beat Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. Then they beat a really good Loyola team. Then they lost by six to Houston in the lead eight. So, yeah, that was a – like you said, they didn't just win – they beat Tennessee and then go out. They had a strong run after that. So, at the end of the day, I, I think – Look, this is a this is good for Tennessee. I think the big positive is you know something you've alluded to. You alluded to at the beginning when you said that this like, this shows a commitment to basketball. Um, you want to you want to think it'll be money well spent, but you can't you can't win the preseason and not win in March because right for this is the second straight preseason that you're winning. You know, and you're gonna have to add some stuff in March to that. Yeah, I uh, I, I think it, it, I think just probably build off your point too. To me, the biggest question isn't even does he deserve it or anything like that. To me, it's the the timing. Like I, I you talked about how important this upcoming season is, and and you know whether or not he turned the roster from a maybe make it the NCAA tournament to now you have a, a legit team that can compete. Why not wait and do this next off season and wait and see like how this season goes before you do that? Because are you know are you just riding the wave of more postseason optimism of hey like you said Tennessee did a really good job quote unquote won the the off season kind of feeling are you doing that or is this really a like you said or like we both have said like a dedication to the program is this a rewarding of just two two years that that they you know that Barnes and this this program have had of, of really good years. But as you pointed out, and I, I don't, I don't think it's I don't, what I'm trying to say here. I, I think it's, I think it is a a, a good thing. To, it's a, a good thing to point out when making this argument that they've not. It's not like they've been world beaters since those two seasons. They've gone. Would you say like they're they're? Like quickly, let me pull back up here. They're like 11, 12 games over 500 in the last two seasons. After that, the, you know, winning the SEC regular season and then going to the Sweet 16 the next year, like Tennessee's. You know, twelve games above five hundred since then. Only three games above five hundred in SEC play since then. It's not like the SEC was super stacked the last two seasons either. They weren't. They're seventy six. They're seventy six and fifty eight. Yeah, right. And and, and uh, oh, sh- I'm sorry, sixty six and fifty eight. So if eight you take games out those two over seasons. Yeah, yeah, they were forty two games over five hundred those two seasons. They're fifty under. So sixty six and fifty eight in the four seasons. Um, in those other four seasons, right? And obviously, the first yeah. two seasons where Barnes were there were totally different than the last two because that was trying to rebuild what was a just a mess when he first got there. But I, but still, your point remains that you've had two really good to great seasons in the the six years that he's been at Tennessee, and this past year wasn't awful by any means, but it, it didn't live up to expectations. So, my honestly, my biggest question isn't whether or not that he, you know, does his resume warrant him being a, a top five, top six paid head coach in the country 
uh, what he's done at Tennessee, or what he's done recruiting trail, all this different stuff. To me, it's it's the timing of it. I, I think this would have been better served to have waited until next off season to like look at and say, hey, because like you said, I don't, I don't, and unless there is chatter behind the scenes we were privy to of of coaches negatively recruiting at Tennessee, saying that Rick Barnes is going to be the next guy to step down, and that you know, hey, why would you want to go there and make a a two, three, four year dedication when he's going to be stepping down in the next two years. Like, I, I don't know that that's happening or anything like that, but if, if that's the case, then maybe that this was kind of a, a again, this isn't beneficial. This has been reported. It's not like I haven't seen it even beyond what John Bryce is saying. You know, I haven't seen a Vault Quest or a two or seven say anything about it. Maybe they have, and I just haven't seen it, but I, I haven't seen personally that they have. But assuming this all does happen, it, maybe that was the case. Maybe they're doing that, like you said, to kind of to nip that in the butt and say, hey, no, was, <laughs> he ain't retiring anytime soon. He's going to be here for another four or five years. Because like you said, unless that was the case, it's not like he's leaving for another job because they're not, there's not another UCLA-type job out there that's going to be open anytime soon that's going to be, you know, that Rick Barnes is going to be a, a top candidate for. Because Duke, and you, oh, as we saw, Duke and North Carolina hire within the family if they can, if they can help it. I don't think Kansas is going to come open probably anytime soon. If it does, I, I can't imagine the Kansas Jayhawks hiring Rick Barnes, who was the reason why Texas even became a <laughs> even became a thorn in Kansas' side. It wasn't like Texas was was a thorn in Kansas' side before Rick Barnes got there. So I can't imagine Kansas going and hiring him. I got same in the same vein. I can't imagine Kentucky if Calipari does leave anytime soon, going and hiring Rick Barnes. Maybe 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 they would make a push, but I feel like Kentucky is another one of those programs that would like to keep it kind of in the family if, if possible. Not that Calipari was in the family, you know, but I feel like Kentucky's another one of those programs that likes to do things, you know, in-house if they can. If not, they'll obviously go look at the best possible guys. I, th- I think there would be other guys on Kentucky's list is what I'm saying before they got. Well, let's just say, let's just say it like this. None of those schools are hiring 70 year old coaches. Exactly. Right. Because you're making the exact, you're, you're turning right back around and making the exact same decision three to five years later. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that that I think that's probably the simplest way of saying it. Because I mean, but, um, when when if you look back when Rick Barnes was hired at Tennessee, it's not like <laughs> it, that was kind of a perfect storm for Tennessee to hire him. Like Tennessee had just had to let go of Donnie Tyndall after one year because of all the stuff that happened with the NCAA, and they had to they were able to fire him with cause and had to pay all this stuff. And Rick Barnes was just let go from Texas because of you know them getting complacent and tired of of you know, and he was underachieving. It, I will you know be honest, he was underachieving at Texas. So it, it was like a perfect storm of him being in his, I guess, what's early 60s at that point and, you know, being an older coach on the market. And there's happened to be a power five job that, you know, Tennessee's not a, not a blue blood or anything like that, but it was still a, an appealing job, a job that had shown that you can have success at that program and, and it being open. It, it'd be akin to like a, I mean, like if a, an older like if Eric Musselman leaves Arkansas the next couple of years and, and a, an experienced a veteran coach, I can't think of you on top of my head, but I've experienced a veteran coach in another school that was a, a power five type school um, came on the market and Arkansas obviously would be in a better situation than Tennessee was when Donnie Tindall left, but it'd be like that because Arkansas, again, not a blue blood, but they've definitely shown in the past and recently too that they can have success if you have the right coach there. So um, I, again, that, that, that to me is still the biggest thing is why, why, why now I'd like get like you said. I don't know if you know if it does become official. Do we see details of coaching pay, you know, assistant pay? Because that's be- definitely been a thing that Rick Barnes has, has been a big advocate for in the past of getting his assistants more salary, more money, um, 
is, is this a promise of having even more some facility upgrades? Because, I mean, obviously the facilities are still great for Tennessee, but they could always be better. Like, you can always keep improving them and, and keep getting better in the SEC. So it's not like you can be complacent with your, your facilities and say, oh, they're, they're the best and they always will be the best because that's not the case. you got to improve them. So, again, I, I'll be curious if it does become official, you know, what the details of it are. Is it all to Rick Barnes? Is it to his assistants? Is it a, a promise of renovating facilities, Thompson Bowling? I don't think Thompson Bowling probably needs many renovations, but, you know, still, I, I to me, the, the biggest thing isn't even if he deserves it or whatever. It's the timing of it because I think, as you've said, this season is a pivotal one to see, hey, were those two years aberrations? Were those two years just you hitting – on all cylinders and hitting a, a perfect storm or can you kind of recreate that and have a another 24 25 plus win type of season this year with this roster and make it you know doesn't even have to make it to lead a if you can just get even back to sweet 16 this year with this roster i think that's a that's still that to me that's meeting expectations for this year and that's better than obviously than not meeting expectations and falling short and being a disappointment yeah uh he, that's what he's going to be judged on. Yep. Is what they do. I mean, and that's this is a results business. Um, and you know, we're, we're speaking on the before, but whether or not this is a, this is a good move will be contingent on what transpires um, over the next couple of years. If they're elite eight, final four type good, it's good. It's a good deal. Um, if they fall short of that and they're doing the exact same thing that they did in that two year run, which is get everybody excited and then lose in the first, second round or sweet 16, it, it doesn't feel good. Uh, like the, the Barnes, the Barnes contracts are mostly about feel good. Um, he got, you know, when you, you you've made you wanted to make sure you you know locked him in in 2019 because of the feel good uh, you know because you were coming off you know a cocaine type run where you won 57 games in two years so it was about a bunch of feel good whereas um, and that's what that run was if you know like I understand why you do it I'm just wondering can you recreate what's already been done mm -hmm. can you mm -hmm. recreate the sweet 16s can you recreate number number one in the country for a month can you recreate that stuff because that's what you're going to be based on look the recruiting is great right now you're getting great players to come into your program via transfer reclassification outworking other schools you're doing all those things um the recruiting is going great but nobody cares how great the recruiting goes if you limp to like a 23 and 12 finish or even look man i like i think 26 wins is a great season but if those twenty six wins get you beat in the second round of you know in the in your first game in the SEC tournament and then like the second round of the NCAA tournament, nobody cares. Yep. Like man, I, I yep. saw my Twitter mentions a couple years ago when I'm like, yeah, they're number one in the country for a month. Were the trophies? Were the trophies? Like my Twitter mentions were in shambles that year. 
because they had nothing. I mean, and look, they had nothing to show for it. No regular season championship, no tournament championship. You know, the weird loss to Purdue in the tournament. Um, and I, I get it. Like it's, you know, like they're they're going to base they're going to judge you on awards and accomplishments and things of that nature. So that's what all of this will be judged on, not us. You know, us loudmouths, us talking heads, talking about this stuff on a Tuesday in late June. They're going to be he's going to be judged off what he does from November to March, not before. Not after for the next couple years, not just one, because Tennessee, you know, I saw I saw what happened with Tennessee baseball this year. I saw that. I watched that. I I didn't I only got a chance to see like maybe half of the game, you know, just because my schedule was kind of busy. But I saw their saw the Texas game and I saw the Tennessee orange that was at that game and I saw the excitement that was around that program. And there's enough of that excitement for basketball too. But you better win. You better win. You better give them a reason. If you give them a reason, they will turn out in droves. Uh, and like that's just, that's a program, that's a fan base that is thirsty, thirsty for a consistent winner. They think they may have one in baseball. Unfortunately, baseball is a little, it's more regional, it's more trendy. It's lost a lot of its luster from over from the past, back when it was, God, my sport, my favorite sport, probably, the thing, probably one of your favorite sports. And most everybody's favorite sport as a kid. Um, now it's football and it's basketball. And whereas baseball's third, people don't really care. Like, I mean, you know, beyond those who really care you're not yeah. going to transition a yeah. bunch of people into watching that so but like there's a fan base that is yearning for a football or basketball winner because that you know those are the sports that cross over those are your crossover sports you've got a chance here with what ten- with what tennessee is doing but gotta follow through gotta follow through so we'll see what happens over the next year or two like you know like i said a year is nice, but if they can string together like three to four years of 25 to 30 wins, tournaments knocking on the door of Elite Eights and Final Fours and championships, then this was money well spent. Otherwise, a, a fan base like Tennessee, there's always going to be a bunch of people who are like, why we spend that money? We, we you know, the, the same threads yeah. on message boards yeah. we paid five million dollars for this six million dollars yeah now. it's, it's gonna be six million now <laughs> no yeah. no longer will be screaming five million they'll be screaming six million um before we before we end the show here gene i think i may have judging by your reaction i think i just saw i think you just saw the same thing as i did about uh larry brown gonna go be an assistant coach <laughs> yep. at memphis <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So uh, well, for I those of you made the comment about how people don't hire seven year olds <laughs> as a coach, but yeah. all head, I mean, coaches. Now, to be fair, Larry's not the head coach, but right. uh, maybe a good move. You know, like I think Penny does a good job of getting bringing in like quality assistants. I mean, he doesn't get guys who are going to tra- you know trample over him as a head coach, but Larry Brown could be basically Larry Brown is a strong personality. Look, Larry Brown curtailed is probably the one person to, cur- to curtail Allen Iverson. 
Um, yeah, that's saying something. I thought, I thought it was an interesting. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting. That's an interesting a- addition to your staff. And interesting time. There's just yeah, he doesn't know. How, apparently, yeah, no. Like thirty minutes after he announces that he's not taking the Orlando job, uh, here comes Larry Brown, like kind of nowhere. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, how are you going to get back to relevance? Let's bring back Larry Brown. Um, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing, but. Um, I think Larry will know his place. Uh, he'll be a great voice for Penny. What that means, don't really know. Don't really care. But it's it's a good it's a good addition to the coaching staff in whatever capacity. Um, I'm not sure that Larry can just sit back in the corner and just watch though. Right. Just doesn't seem. Right. Uh, what was his last coaching job? SMU. <sighs> that sounds right. He's been everywhere. I don't, I don't want to think Vol fans will get to see him up and close and personal because Tennessee plays Memphis and Nashville in, this year. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – actually, it was the Auxilium Torino, which is in the uh, Euro Cup, LBA, LBA Euro Cup. So he was actually overseas a couple years ago. 2018 looked like it was the last time he was coaching. So his last time in, in the U.S. was at SMU. You're right. And 2016 was his last year there. Larry Brown turns 81 years old in September. Like, what are you doing? Man. Like, yeah, like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, like, what are you doing? I mean, um, and I, yeah, I mean, like, he got, he got, he got drafted to the NBA when they still had, he basically got fired from SMU. Yeah, I'm sorry. He, he got drafted in the NBA when they still had like 10 rounds in an NBA draft. He got drafted in the seventh like, round he, of the 1963 NBA right. draft. He was shooting jump shots with James Naismith. Like I mean, like but look, man, I do think it's a good, um, you know, good for you know Penny to bring in a, another experience because you're not going to find many better basketball minds from from things I've heard. You're not going to find many better basketball minds than a Larry Brown. Yeah, there there aren't many um, people out there who both have won the NBA Coach of the Year and the Naismith College Coach of the Year. Like that's just. That's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty strong resume, honestly. Even though he is, like you said, in his eighties, he's been around the block. He basically got fired at SMU. That's still like I mean, as an assistant. Like I feel like that's yeah, that's a interesting. But I, I do think I agree with you. It's it's not a bad hire by Penny. I don't think it's just again th- this Memphis game for Tennessee this year will be fun. I feel like um, having Penny and, and Larry Brown on the same sideline with Tennessee fans in Nashville is going to be a whole lot of fun. But. I think that'll be where we uh, an odd note in the podcast, but I think that's where we'll, we'll go ahead and end it here. But I do want to say again, thank you for all of you who listen along. If you've made it this far in the podcast, you are a super fan, and we really appreciate you listening to the whole thing. Again, go give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. If you haven't subscribed there, we're available there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Like we're, we're available basically everywhere you can find podcasts. So go give us a, a, a like on Facebook. Go follow us on Twitter. Go give us a review. Go subscribe. All that different stuff. We we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you all so much. And again, find us on Twitter if you want to, you know, debate and argue with this uh, us about this or comment on Facebook if you want to uh, about the Rick Barnes stuff because I'm sure a lot of you do have opinions on that and I know firsthand that a lot of you have opinions on that. Uh, but signing off for Gene, I'm Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Subscribe to the show so you'll never miss another episode. 